0: We have a new listener. What's huh? We have a new listener as of um, yesterday.
1: Meaning we have a listener. My
0: mom said, oh, I listen to one of your podcasts. It sounds just like listening to you guys have coffee in the morning in your living room. I'm like, well, yes, that's that's the idea.
1: Oh. Yes. Meaning so my
0: mom actually feigned to, to listen to one episode. Do that. Yeah. I wouldn't listen to us. I wouldn't either. I hope nobody does. That's,
1: but one wonders why it's out there. But uh, you know, what are you gonna do? Anyway,
0: yes. No. I was referring a little while ago about my uh peanuts lunchbox. Yes. And I bought a replica of it on eBay and I'm looking at it right now. I pulled it out of storage and I also found my Cookie Monster hand puppet, which I've probably had since I was two or three, maybe two or three years old.
1: Really? Wow, okay. It's
0: still in perfect condition. And my little comfort security, I had a security pillow yes. named Freddie, and my grandmother embroidered his name on the pillow. Still yeah. have that. I mean, I can't even imagine. <laughs> It was a feather pillow, and now the feathers are just this clump of God knows what inside the pillow of just calcified yep. feathers.
1: I've seen Freddie. Um, Freddie doesn't seem like the most inviting texture uh, oh, for a child. It's, not it's like,
0: like 70s polyester. Silky or... Not at know, all, yeah, but no. I was really attached to it. Yeah,
1: no. Yeah, 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 yeah Freddie's fine still he, he's in pretty good shape yeah, he's yeah. not he's he's, he's
0: he's yeah he's not in pretty good shape he's okay I and mean,
1: actually yeah i see a cookie monster so his uh fur still looks uh nice and bright it looks like his uh felt fingers have faded and his
0: little googly eyes are have yellowed a little bit throughout the years maybe he's slightly jaundiced i don't know he's very very oh, old yeah, he he's like 51 years old but you wouldn't know a cookie Monster 51 oh, years old gosh.
1: And if he eats cookies Probably not in the best health But
0: I would still play with him If I, You know what When Yitzi comes over The little baby That I babysit for Sometimes maybe We'll pull out Cookie Monster He'll either love it Or be terrified of it I think We'll find out
1: Do kids like hand puppets? Yeah, actually did kids ever like hand puppets? I think so but, I don't uh, think
0: they're As scary as clowns <laughs>
1: Yeah I don't know how clowns got on Yeah I don't quite get the clown thing But Um yeah, I'm not sure that your modern kid would be uh, that excited about a hand puppet. If you, you know, they have the virtual... Uh, they have the... Whatever, 16 million uh, colors and The AR hand puppet. High frame rate. Yes, uh, indeed, yeah.
0: You'll notice over the last couple of weeks that I have switched my coffee into a Demitasse. Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm just drinking this straight espresso now. and I And... and The reason this is good is because I actually finish it because normally if I put my two shots of espresso in a cup and then I put a little hot water in it, I don't finish it, which is a waste. And so now I'm finishing it, but it's very bougie to uh, drink your little coffee out of a demitasse. Well, it's bad
1: news for me because I would always do cleanup on your coffee. Mm -hmm. uh, Now now you'll notice
0: that next to my fancy little demitasse with my fancy espresso in it, is my sparkling water in a glass that is actually a repurposed cadarel jar which is an artificial sweetener so it's one of the few things that you can buy in the grocery store that's made out of glass but Mm, also in the netherlands it's very very hard to find tall glasses like big glasses to drink a lot of water out of and so Mm -hmm. i use them as glasses so I have my jam jar basically that yeah. I have my water in, and then my fancy little cup of coffee.
1: So, uh, Canderol—that is—is that a trade name? You know, it's so that's I think not. So. Is it stevia or stevia? No, what, what it, is they it? have a
0: stevia, but that comes in plastic. This is just the 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 big baddie aspartame. I'm guessing. I don't know. It, it is aspartame. Is aspartame. Okay. I don't know, but All it's right. artificial sweetener.
1: Okay, but what I'm saying, it probably refers to the company or the product rather than the actual compound itself. But okay. whatever it is, it's uh, X times sweeter than yeah. uh, sugars, uh, but okay, yeah.
0: I uh, just like you.
1: What? Oh, what are you doing? Awful. Hmm. Terrible.
0: So, um, lately, one of our dogs, Poppy, Poppy. That's one of them. Our little African wildflower puppy. Clap rose in it, Nader hey, Yeah, wait. clap rose. That's
1: a poppy? hmm Then what am I thinking of? You're
0: thinking of Kemperfoole.
1: Kemperfoole is honeysuckle, yes. right? Okay, yeah. yeah.
0: Puppy has been extra mischievous. time for two seconds, I turn my back. She's been stealing the cat's food, if I leave it down on the floor.
1: Yeah, she's a dog.
0: I have been condemning her under the strongest possible terms, and she doesn't really seem to give a fuck. She still eats the cat food. If I I condemn her in the strongest possible terms by going, no, Poppy, no, she'll turn around and wiggle her little tail at me with her little ears down, and then she'll grab a couple mouths full more of food, and then she runs away pretending to feel guilty about it.
1: Maybe your strongest term condemnation is happening in more of a you know kind of uh, improvised or uh less formal kind of uh, press conference situation if you go through the full you know formal process of uh resolution then then perhaps she would uh comply
0: that's true if i got on cnn behind a podium and a mic and i said i would like the world to know under absolute certainty that i am condemning poppy for stealing the cat's food under the strongest possible terms if she saw me saying that on cnn as opposed to just in person i'm sure that that would make all the difference
1: i mean who's to say it might be that she's a dog she's just doing what dogs do could we blame her for uh being uh you know kind of a applicant uh, carnivore or scrounger. The
0: point is, is that I don't Screw think that condemning her under the strongest possible terms is effective form of deterrent of this behavior.
1: Right. Um, well, are you just uh, creating a kind of formal uh, paper trail? Is that what you, So, you know, you, you are on record as condemning Poppy's actions. As of this date, therefore, any, you know, assuming that she's uh, aware of that, you know, has received notification of your condemnation, uh, then going forward, you know, you are officially not sanctioning her behaviors, I suppose. Yeah. I don't know if that matters to her.
0: I still think that if I sanctioned Poppy and reduced her, the portions that she gets for her own food for breakfast and dinner... I still don't think that that would deter her from stealing the cat's food. In fact, it might even motivate her to want to steal the cat's food even more because she's hungry.
1: Right, right. Well, one possibility is you just make it so that she cannot steal the cat food. Oh, now that's a
0: revelation. Something proactive where I actually have to do something before the fact. Hmm. I wonder if this line of thought can be uh, transferred to something else that's going on in the world right now. Hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. One wonders. But hmm.
1: I will say that I don't put cat food bowls on the floor because I would understand why dogs would snipe from the cat food bowls if they were on the floor. See, the funny thing, and not many people know this about cats, but they are actually um Agile, uh, despite their lack of post its. Um, So they can actually get off the floor. So they could go onto shelves, counters, uh, higher places. So when cat food bowls are in those locations, cats can access them, dogs can't access them. So I say that's a win win. Mm -hmm. So,
0: but see, I'm a woke pet owner, I'm woke. Oh, and dear. so when my cat is on the floor and looks at me, it was like, Oh, I don't want to jump up on the sill." Then I say, Okay, I will mm-hmm. put your food down here for you.
1: Oh well that, that's that's very nice of you. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't
0: Especially watch. for for Jackie who came our producer who came from the the Dieren Asiel, which is the Dutch word for animal shelter, but it literally translated means Whoa. animal asylum. And so we have adopted over the years three cats from the animal asylum. And it did occur to us at one point that maybe there is something separate that's an animal shelter. And we have been foolishly adopting all of our cats throughout the years from the crazy bin, the loony bin version of the animal shelter, the animal asylum We have to look into that further. Anyway, (laughs) let's talk about the UN. We have to talk about Hamas. We have to talk about Israel. There's this debate right now as to whether or not that rocket that hit that hospital that killed hundreds of people actually did come from Israel or did it come from, was it a a Hamas rocket that went haywire? Um,
1: Could have been Putin. Palpatine. Palpatine did
0: it.
1: Um, Palpatine did it? Yeah, that's a... I know what that is, Michael. That's a memetic. I, yeah, that's um, also you snuck in look, some Star Wars. Uh, so. Yeah, I, it, who who knows um, mm. what happened? I mean, I think everyone would agree. And actually, a, a lot of the condemnation uh, that I've seen, uh, it is interesting <clears throat> how words are chosen. So, so for some people, it, it's very much a, a, a passive voice, you know, sort of thing. We, so it's it's the. Uh, destruction as opposed to um either the uh Hamas uh or Israeli airstrike uh you know, resulting in the destruction sort of thing. So it seems that everyone agrees that it's not a nice thing that happened, uh which I suppose then leads one to ask, well if everyone agrees that, then why are you wasting airtime when you're not really contributing other than to say, well, I, I don't think it's a good thing either. Um, but, uh, but what, what are you going to do? You know, you got to fill the 24 hour news sickle
0: Mm -hmm.
1: back in the day. News lasted half an hour. Let's talk
0: about the efficacy of the United Nations and various pan European organizations. Mm such as the european commission european union uh parliament sure so you started to have you started to say something about the un's reaction to the conflict in gaza well
1: i was talking in general about Mm -hmm. um international law which you know i'm i know a bit about international law. i've studied some international law I try and can keep you keep your voice up. up a little bit please yes uh, I've studied some international law I actually sort of keep no, up the, to date the register with of your some voice. it's like oh. what
0: well, you're doing you're, it's too early in the morning and sometimes Michael does his like Sylvester Stallone thing
1: I don't know um there, no I you. can I can talk up here if well no better. just
0: in your normal voice just my not head near, voice like
1: rocky voice I don't have a right there
0: voice. there we go right there anyway
1: um <laughs> Yes, uh, international law. So the, these these are uh, big concepts. Uh, in theory, I approve of uh, some of the ideas uh, behind international law. Ultimately, you know, what can I say? Um, probably well-meaning uh, folks <clears throat> trying to do what they believe is good. The, the problem with international law is it doesn't truly have a, a means of uh, enforcement. We're talking about the, you know, whether nations can be compelled to do X, Y, and Z, the answer is no, definitely not. So international law is mostly an opt-in framework. Uh, and if you want to opt out, ain't a whole lot anyone can do uh, other than you know condemn in the strongest possible terms uh, your choice of opting out. Now, when it comes to individuals and, you know, whether international courts um, or nations are going to <clears throat> stand in judgment against individuals, you know, whatever, okay, uh, Milosevic, uh, you seem to have uh, crossed the line here. Well, yes, uh, nations will turn on individuals and say, yes, there are means of enforcing this, uh, you're going to go to the Huskow, uh, or whatever, uh, or you know, Sodom, uh, you, you're going to be hanged. Uh, but when it actually comes to conflicts between nations, disagreements about nations, no, the, there's no means of enforcing that. Um,
0: so, why does the UN exist at all? <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> my and, possibly cynical response well, would be yeah. to <laughs> perpetuate. The uh, geopolitical situation that existed at the end of World War II, because uh, you know the winners said, "Oh, this is all right. Let's let's see what we can do to keep this going." Um, but you know, I'm sure people would not uh, agree with that characterization. Um, but I think the makeup and and design of the Security Council certainly would suggest that it's really just a carryover from, uh, World War II. Um, but you know, uh, look, World War II is a significant event, definitely. Um, it's a fairly contemporary event in human history. Uh, I'm not sure that the world today bears much resemblance, uh, to the world then. Uh, but there are, you know, vested interests, uh, in, in maintaining that, uh, that situation, that balance of power, uh, if if you will, in a broad sense, that existed at the end of World War Two.
0: I really think that there's this learned hopelessness with all forms of government. When you hear, well, you know, governments move very slowly; it always takes a really sure. long time. Why? Why is that just a foregone <laughs> right. conclusion or a preemptive assumption in the corporate world? Corporate corporations go through reorganizations at least once a year often more times a year to respond to current economic competitive situations or how the market that they uh appeal to are is evolving or changing yep why is it impossible to think of governments being reactive in the same way or proactive as the case may be.
1: I mean, I would say one reason that it's not an inevitability that nations or governments act, you know, slowly, um, deliberately, you know, uh, is that this is all just stuff that we made up. You know, the laws... um, Certainly, laws of nations, but uh, law in general is just something that we kind of uh, dreamed into existence. Um, the time frame over which we want to create those laws and to enforce those laws, that's just we can go as quickly as we want to. I mean, there are no, you know, uh, natural world constraints on that. It's just human behaviors, it's just people deciding to do this thing. Um, that can happen very quickly indeed. you know it's it's quite different than saying, whatever, this is uh, a, a law of the universe, you know this this is how uh, gravity works, or you know whatever, this this is the speed of light. There ain't nothing you can do about that. But when it comes time to say, can't nations uh, or the people of those nations uh, do something, you know more quickly? Uh, the answer is well of course they can they just don't have the political will
0: and the reason for that is because i think it is interesting to explore the difference of the concept of the citizen versus the employee Mm -hmm. so in a corporation you might want to call it a you know the, the, the analogy would be, say, a, a benevolent or a male, malevolent, but let's say for the sake of this conversation, a benevolent, a benevolent dictatorship, mm-hmm. where you've got the guy at the top, started the company, he, he runs everything, he and his executive, or she and her executive team make all the decisions. Well, if you don't like the decisions, you are free to leave that company and you can go work for someone else. Yep. If you are fired or laid off from that company, that sucks. Uh, maybe it doesn't, um, especially in the Netherlands, if you're made redundant, it's a pretty cush way to, to right. exit a company, right. free to go work somewhere else. Yep. When you're a citizen, again, by the, the happenstance of your birth, the, the spot on this planet where you happen to have been delivered dictates your citizenry, where you have no choice or control over it whatsoever.
1: You do later in life, but, but initially, of course. Well, but it's yes.
0: extremely difficult. Yes. So let me, let me just finish where I'm going with this. This is another reason why I find the UAE so appealing. Ugh, oh, doggy mm-hmm. doorbell. Why I find the UAE so appealing. Now, in political terms, at least for now, it's a benevolent dictatorship. There are issues for sure. Human rights aren't quite where they should be yet. The labor camp issue is a significant problem. But for the sake of the the the, the academic conversation, it's a benevolent dictatorship. Mm-hmm. It is very very easy to get a work permit slash work green card there if you want to come, contribute to the economy, participate in the society, you know, participate in the dazzling growth and I find an amazing things that are happening in that part of the world.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: However, if you aren't able to employ yourself there, your company goes out of business, you are not an Emirati citizen, let's say you get laid off, you're out of there in like three months. It can be a bit scary. Right. Um, or if you just decide you want to pack up and you don't want to work there anymore, you're free to go. It's, it's run very similar to how a corporation would work. Right. And I find that very interesting. Very, very interesting. Yeah. I, I find I, that exciting.
1: I, I think that, that I... Do Things that. move is... there
0: very, very quickly. Yeah. Because it's one guy, when he switches that green light on, it all happens overnight. Almost.
1: Yes. I, I think there are interesting uh, arguments to be made about <clears throat> whether you know, the power is vested in relatively few people or, you know, whether it's, you know, more uh, rule by committee or consensus or, you know, whatever. Um, but I think the comparisons too, to, you know, nations and, uh, citizenship, uh, versus, you know, corporations, um, and, um, employment. Yeah. That's, you know, if somebody, regardless of where they are in, in a, in, in an organization it wouldn't even have to be large organizations, but these kinds of issues usually come up more with them, uh, just because, you know, they have the potential to have, you know, greater, uh, uh, impact either, you know, um, beneficial or detrimental, uh, on the world. You know, if you disapprove of what your company is doing, it's like, you know, let's say I'm an Amazon executive, but Oh my God, I, you know, can't believe how, you know, quote, we, meaning my company, um, treats its warehouse workers or whatever, you know, kind of, uh, buzz, uh, headliney, um, idea you want to go with. Uh, then you say, well, I'm, I'm going to leave the company that that's it. I, I no longer support, uh, what this company apparently, uh, stands for at least, you know, one, uh, facet of the company, not, not really an option, uh, with something like citizenship. Um, Human beings are not <laughs> permitted to not be a citizen of any of the nations of the world. So you have to play for some team, so to speak, to use uh, uh, o President O'Biden's uh, <laughs> choice of terms there. Yeah, uh, it was the other team, man. Um, <laughs> but, Unbelievable, uh, or, yes. corn Pop. Uh, yeah, so you know you you have to you have to get on board with something now, of course, you can still disapprove, so you can say, you know yes, I am u s citizen um not not a big fan of uh everything that the u s does in the world, but you know the u s is is a big dog it's it's gonna when it does anything or when it doesn't do anything, it has major impact, you know versus when whatever the Christmas islands or something. Uh, does something it's not not so
0: significant Let's go back to something you said earlier, yeah about if i if I don't approve of Amazon's policies toward its warehouse workers, I can leave the company, or if you decide to stay and try and make change within yep. Yep. like my friend Martin Costa did
1: mm-hmm.
0: you are in for a world of hurt. So she fought and she fought and she fought and she got a lot of attention toward this. Amazon fired her and she uh, f- kept fighting that. And then yep. she was, uh, I believe, compensated monetarily for um, wrongful dismissal. Yep. Now she has since left the company and now she is uh, running for local a local government position. So Marin is a hero in my eyes because she went all the way. She fought and she fought and she fought. She was super committed to this. She walks the walk, talks the talk. She's definitely an outlier. And that's why I think she's a hero because I do think it's unrealistic to expect every single person Mm -hmm. who may in the shadows um, or in the recesses of their mind feel the same discomfort, discomfort that she feels about how their employer may treat its warehouse workers um so again i would equate that to a benevolent government's uh rule of law that if you try and fight things from within you may get disappeared uh it's really no different than the corporate world yeah
1: well and i think that you know that that sort of example um you know if you're if you're, you know, quote, part of an organization, whether that, that's a corporation or a country or whatever, uh, and you mostly approve of, you know, its actions, uh, but you disapprove of some of it, then yes, I think definitely the tendency would be to say, okay, well, what, you know, it wouldn't it be a better place if I uh, helped uh, make this change or something, which of course you can do. And then that's, you know, that's, I suppose in a sense what people do all the time when they, uh, cast a vote, you know, it's like, all right, you know, here's where I, here's where we are now. Here's where I wish we would go. And I think that, you know, here's one path to, to do that. Um, but of course that always has to be balanced, you know, against your other interests, which might be, uh, competing. Uh, you know, if you say that, uh, um, I like this, I don't like this, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, that, that analysis gets, um, very complicated, uh, very quickly um but of course you you can act within the machine and um you know have some um have some effect on on how the machine operates.
0: Hmm. Well my conclusion after this is you know everybody in the Seattle area vote for Marin Marin Costa.
1: And what is she running for exactly?
0: Ah it's a it's like fighting district number 32. Okay. A, All local... right. fight in thirty two okay it's local fighting thirty second yeah yeah uh it's one of the it's a, it's yeah. local politics where you know yeah. where politics politics is at its most effective i
1: I think it it certainly should be at its most effective mm. at the local level that's uh i i don't um have a knee jerk uh you know unfavorable response to politicians when they're uh on those smaller levels it's uh national and uh, international politicians, which I tend to disapprove of. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, more local, uh, the better. However, of course, in many cases, uh, local politicians aren't truly empowered to do too much.
0: Going back to something you said earlier about the makeup and design of pan-European organizations. hmm Specifically talking about makeup and... The EU Mm -hmm. has decided in all its vast wisdom to ban glitter. What? The EU is banning glitter because it's a microplastic. Now, I think that that this is fantastic... Because every time you go to some festival and you see some numbnuts with his glitter beard or people covered in sequins and glitter, it's like, okay, these are all microplastics that you're just throwing. You know, you're going to be washing down the drain later tonight or it's sprinkling all over the environment. I love glitter. And I was really upset when I had to come to the realization that it's a microplastic. There are pictures of me and my friend Michelle, and you were there too in Key West during the Y2K New Year celebration, which we rung in in Key West, and we are covered in glitter, uh, as was half of the, 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 the revelers that night. It's all going straight into the ocean, but we didn't know back then.
1: Okay, wait a second. So mm-hmm. I wanted to understand. So mm-hmm. I think uh, I'm confused about uh, glitter versus confetti. Uh, yeah. So when I think of glitter, sometimes I think of um, very small uh, so, like the kinds of, like what makes uh, frosty, what is that, eyeshadow or whatever? Yeah. Okay. That's probably I, that microplastic plastic in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it could be metallics as well. I mean, uh, historically, if you want high reflection, you pretty much have to go with metals, right? Plastics aren't. Well, as good I mean, at that. I
0: have dresses in my closet that have sequins on them, and those sequins are plastic.
1: Right. But I'm saying that's a relatively new
0: uh, I don't think so I think that sequins have been plastic for a really long time they get very heavy if it was metal then we're talking about chain mail
1: so back in the day like if I would see um Glenn Campbell with rhinestones what are those those are crystals aren't they
0: so let's not sway too far no, 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 off I, from I'm the just glitter. Tr- I'm
1: trying to understand what's banned basically so uh I, I think of what I would uh broadly call glitter and things like makeup yeah but I also think of glitter if that's to include confetti in like celebratory events well
0: probably because well some confetti is made out of paper but a lot of confetti is made out of little pieces of plastic right like the little the little gold ribbons that you see all over Amsterdam you know in the aftermath of say pride week right it's all Plastic.
1: The gold stars that we used to get on our plastic. multiplication well, tables. Well, that's like plastic and paper. Okay, but
0: yeah. you, you you obviously know what I'm talking about.
1: I I sort glitter. of know, but I'm trying okay. to. And, and <laughs> look, the I'm not trying to be is difficult. That
0: glitter, you are the premise no. is that glitter. Is made out of microplastics
1: because what you're proposing then is a ban on glitter, and you're going to you know make that a law and then you're going to try and enforce that law. So when you try and enforce that law against me, then I'm going to quibble about what constitutes glitter. Naturally, this Mm -hmm. is a very foreseeable, if somebody thinks that they're going to change the world by saying you can't, or whatever, you are not, uh, I guess, you would not offer glitter for lawful sale in whatever jurisdiction you're talking about banning it. But... I think what we're also talking about here is the ability to make one's own glitter. We have a paper shredder. All right. Put a piece of, uh, aluminum foil through that. You're going to get some, uh, glitter. So it, what are you, am I not allowed to possess glitter? Am I not allowed to buy glitter? Those are two different things. Um, look, I, you know, this kind of reminds me, I remember when people were all down on, uh, rice at weddings Uh, because it's going to kill the birds or whatever. I don't even know if that is true. But that's what people used to say. It was, you're not supposed to throw rice at weddings anymore.
0: And this is what happens when you get lawyers involved. And that's exactly my point, that this policy is so unbelievably asinine, unenforceable. It's supposed to be, I think, largely symbolic.
1: But it gives them a platform.
0: It gives them a platform. Just about every eyeshadow that I have in my makeup box has a microplastic in it, probably. And I do feel bad about that uh and um and yes i think that the idea is that they don't want people at festivals wearing glitter anymore every drag queen in the universe is going to be outraged about this it's completely unenforceable just like the ridiculous plastic tax that they this was like the first um toward the motion toward reusables, which obviously we're very in favor of. But especially in the Netherlands, because Dutch people are incredibly clever, if you give them a loophole that allows them to save a penny, they're going to take it. So what happened in this first phase is that the Dutch government put a tax on single-use plastic as the first phase toward the ban on single-use plastics overall. So case in point, ice cream vendors we for the last couple of years. We're mostly switching to a plant-based little ice cream spoon, so it's yeah, made out of bamboo or wood spoon, or yeah. whatever, which were more expensive. So the new policy said if you are going to serve single-use plastics to your customers, you have to charge the customer for the cost of that plastic, and you have to put it on the receipt, which you know almost nobody was doing because how is that at all enforceable? So then the ice cream vendors were like, oh, OK, well, the bamboo spoon costs me four cents. No. The plastic spoon costs me one cent. So as long as I go back to the plastic spoons and just charge my customers for it, I'm in compliance. So the policy completely backfired. It also um, created tension between the customer and the um The the, the food vendor, because, of course, they're Dutch people, they're going to notice if you're charging them extra. So the customer's like, oh, I see on my receipt that you've charged me a euro for this plastic box that you've served me. So I'm going to give you back the plastic box. I expect you to recycle it. The restaurant says, oh, no, just throw it away. And they're like, wait a minute. Why are you charging me for trash? Right. so dumb so foreseeable was so now they're thinking about after three months rolling back this policy which everybody is up in arms about but actually it's sure. the right thing to to do to roll it back because it's backfiring on them well it now, hasn't
1: had any impact but
0: no now of course the of course
1: it's been too short a time period. yes
0: and the subsequent roll, right. the subsequent um Mm-hmm. Rules are gonna make an effect, but again, it, it's all it's up to like the service providers like our company, we don't really talk about Ozark on this podcast. It's up to like making sure that the restaurants are covered. Um, but the point is, like they're banning balloon sticks, but not the thing that actually litters the environment, which is actual <sighs> right. balloons. They're gonna ban glitter, but they don't have the bravery. To ban the things that actually pollute the environment, which is single-use plastic, drinks bottles, water bottles, chips bags, uh, um, you know, it's like it's like look on the ground. What you see on the ground is what should be banned. Right. So it is great because glitter is already a microplastic that they're banning it. But again, compare the amount of glitter in, in weight and volume that's entering the environment versus all the microfibers in our clothing, that the, the literal mountains of trash that are many, many stories tall that are being dumped into Southeast Asia. Let me see a pile of glitter versus that pile. never even discussed oh it's only held. it's only return for deposit I remember I was I was trying to think about this I was trying to recall and we need to look this up when I was a kid when we were children in the 70s and 80s you would get your crate of coke coca-cola um Mm -hmm. or straight soft drinks and it came in the the really heavy because glass is heavy carrier And you'd have your glasses uh, that were empty, the glass bottles, and then you brought them back to the store. Mm -hmm. And I think I remember the deposit on each one of those glass bottles being really high, like 75 cents or something like that. Or maybe it was the whole thing, but it was high. And that was back then. So that would have been the equivalent in today's money of probably a couple of bucks, 15 cents on a little, uh, you know, Red Bull can. It's just again the value isn't high enough. It has to be higher.
1: Yeah, well, uh, you know there have been, uh, of course, uh, recycling or you know reuse programs uh, for many many decades, and mm-hmm. you know part of that I think had to do, um, with how those business models worked. You know there was always the, there was the local Coca Cola. Bottler, for example, so you know if you have like heavy materials like glass, you want to keep those relatively localized. But you know those uh, bottlers don't have anything to fill their bottles with, unless you have you know huge uh, name brand uh, you know uh, products like Coca Cola to put it in. But it was obviously uh, an arrangement where everyone could uh, benefit, so it's fine. It worked pretty well and there was i suppose enough incentive to have that kind of thing work uh the you know there's the whole seinfeld episode even about the uh difference in um uh deposits uh in michigan versus because you would look on oh, the yeah, back of your coke can <laughs> yeah. back in the day you are like wait a second i get five cents pretty much everywhere in the union except uh michigan so there's got to be um yeah, and and of course they were worked was out. Was it higher way, in Michigan? It was twice as much. It was yeah, ten see, cents. Yeah, because so I grew that's up a in Michigan. Huge I grew up
0: in Michigan, so I remember yeah. that the deposits were really high. Well, I'm I,
1: sure you had lots of people crossing. You know, if you were near uh, the Michigan border, I would certainly take my uh, Indiana cans. Uh, I one would, I would think, to Michigan. I mean, this is the same. You have know, the kind of stuff happens. You know, with. Uh, uh, liquor or tobacco, you know, anytime you're up against, um, uh, state or county lines, you, you're going to get people gaming the system in, in a way, but, but it's fine that that's how it works. I don't know why, uh, Michigan thought that, you know, it was important to make that distinction. I suppose that Michigan must've taken in far more cans, um, from nearby States because of that. You know, if there was enough incentive to uh, to cross state lines to return your can,
0: do you remember also collecting um, like the labels from Campbell's soup cans or the tops from the cereal boxes, yeah. Yeah. and you could turn those in to get school supplies?
1: Yeah, the, there was always the big Campbell's soup uh, drive, and you know it was specifically, you know, I'm public school, so you know it's just uh, Indiana uh, state school that I'm attending, but it was definitely. It was not bring in soup labels. It was bring in Campbell's soup labels. So that was kind of a, I didn't think about it at the time. We did But about it was a time. weird sort and of yet, corporate. You
0: think that you're impervious yeah. to marketing, but that is well, a perfect example of how Campbell's soup ingrained itself so much into our domestic psyche. That we never thought about the fact that, like, hey, Campbell's is actually getting us to buy more Campbell's soup by, well, by having us collect huge amounts of Campbell's soup labels so that we could get a one basketball for a grade. Okay, school. but Campbell's
1: soup was the big dog. I mean, that, that that's reasonable. It's you know, it, it the Warhol is you know right to to choose Campbell's soup, but. Look, we didn't eat a lot of soup anyway, and I certainly okay. never brought in the Campbell's Soup labels, but I saw other kids work. But how exactly did those programs work? So did you benefit as an individual, or was it something that went to the school?
0: No, it went to the school. So you'd bring in your Campbell's Soup labels, and when you collected enough, you could get, like, uh, sporting supplies, you know, balls and games. And... So
1: what's the kickback for the kid? What, why is the kid and the kid's family yeah. incentivized well, you, because to kids, collect...
0: Because... You know, it was a. Uh, it's like lo- a gamification. Oh, no, the something? local governments were always we would never vote for, uh, uh, you know, giving more tax money to schools. So if you wanted to have a new volleyball net for your school, everybody had to eat a bunch of Campbell soup and bring in their soup labels to buy the new volleyball. Okay, net. but I'm
1: saying, but I'm you know just uh uh Johnny lunch pail, you know, so I just have my family and i gotta send my rugrats to school or whatever but i'm saying why am i going to the effort of you know saying you know honey you know make sure you cut that thing okay so you're just trying to say i'm gonna send my kid to a school with a new volleyball nut okay gotcha all right and so campbell's we don't know the specifics of it but so uh campbell basically said which is kind of weird. I think weird. it was
0: Campbell's and Kellogg's, like Kellogg's brand cereals. You could cut the cereal box tops off and bring those in and get school supplies too.
1: Okay, so, so this is it's sort of a PR uh, stunt on Campbell's part. So they say, look, yeah, all you have they to they do care about local is schools, demonstrate that you are or were a customer of ours, which you're going to prove, you know, so you're not going to get away with just cutting off the labels on the supermarket shelves. We're, we're assuming... <laughs> That you have that purchased. That would be amazing. Oh, I'm sure it happened. But <laughs> no, I don't think it did. You're the only person that thinks like that. <laughs> no, everybody thought that, obviously. But uh, okay, they're, they're going to say, for the most part, yeah, you must have been a customer of ours, and so we will then benefit your community quid pro quo. Uh, yeah, and so now we'll uh, buy your kids volleyball net. No, that that's great. I don't know if Campbell's Soup still does that. Maybe they do. I don't even know who owns Campbell's. Is it like? Coca Cola or Archer Daniels Medland or something. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um. Okay. Are we done? <clears throat> We're always done. All right. All
1: right.